In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the rectors here. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. That's why you see some of us wearing purple. At least one of us is here wearing purple because they didn't do laundry, which you told me on the way in. (laughs) But many of us wear purple because it's the color for the season of Advent. I know that some of you, and you know who you are, Start Christmas at 8.01 p.m. on October 31st, (laughs) right after the last trick-or-treater leaves. I may or may not have a certain 11-year-old who lives at my house with a sign on her door that says, Merry Christmas, and in parentheses, even though it's still November. But before we get to Christmas, apologies to Starbucks. We have Advent, four weeks meant to help us enter a season of waiting, four weeks of retelling our story as God's people who await the arrival of God's salvation. So today we proclaim the good news that Christ calls us today to stay alert, to be watchful. Let us wait then with eyes wide open making space for all of it, the good, the bad, the abnormal, holding it together in God's unfailing love. Many of us in Advent are waiting for an obvious thing. Kids, what are we waiting for in Advent? What are we waiting for that's going to happen in a few weeks? What? Presents? Uh, let me check. No, the answer was <laughs> Lee Little's book on Episcopalians in power in Indianapolis. <laughs> Every child is quivering with excitement. <laughs> Along with Kate for that book. No, yeah, you're right. Many of us, Nolan, are waiting for presents, right? Um, and the the best present of them all is that we'll have two Christmas Eve services, one at 10.30 and one at 4. So uh, you don't have to ask Santa for that one. You already got it. <laughs> Seriously, uh, who has a Christmas list already? All right, CC, what's on it? Give me one thing. <laughs> a purse. Nice. Who else? Who else has got a Christmas list? <laughs> Olivia, what's on your list? A new toothbrush container. <laughs> Olivia, you better have a backup in case your parents can't afford that one. <laughs> also on her list are things like soap. Breakfast. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> All right. We see how it is in the Rocky home. Mom, I need a new toothbrush. Put it on your Christmas. <laughs> so we're waiting for fun things, like exciting things, right? Things we get excited for at Christmas time. But our scriptures today also talk about waiting for more heavy things, serious things, difficult things. And we're going to talk about three of them. 
Waiting for three things. Waiting for life to get back to normal. Waiting for life to make sense. And waiting for all hell to break loose. So first let's talk about getting back to normal. Deacon read Isaiah 64 today. When Israel was in a season of waiting. They'd returned from exile from Babylon a long way away. And they'd come home in the land of Israel. But they'd been gone 70 years and nothing was the same. I've lived in Fishers for eight years. And literally nothing is the same in Fishers. There are so many things to the skyline that are different, new restaurants, new stores, right? And that's kind of like, sometimes I try to remember what it looked like before. Do you guys ever do that? Like you see like Top Golf, and you're like, you know, for instance, and then you're like, what was there before, you know? What was there before? So the Israelites had been gone basically 10 times as long as I've been in Fishers. And they returned from exile And their temple had been destroyed and rebuilt, but it was like a really sad copy of the original. It was really, really small and dumpy looking. It's kind of like going from an embassy suites to a red roof inn. (laughs) Apologies to anybody who likes the red roof inn. (laughs) And, And the walls of their city weren't rebuilt, and there was a foreign power still in charge. So it was like, it was like bittersweet to be back home. And Isaiah says, in this place of, you know, waiting to get back to normal, if only you would tear the heavens open and come down. Isaiah says, hey God, you've done things before for us. You've done wonderful things among us, miracles even. Why not now? Why not here? Where are you? And Isaiah answers his own question. He says, well, we screwed up, I guess. We sinned. We sinned. And that pushed you away. And it's our fault you're not here to do the powerful demonstrations of divine mojo no mo. Isaiah is waiting on God to get things back to the way they used to be. To get things back to normal. Can you relate to that? Every day I vacillate between waiting to get back to normal after COVID, and then thinking, this just is normal now. I was pining for those days when I felt a little different. Our church has been on this long journey to change um, denom- denominations and felt like things haven't been normal around here for a while. Some of you are waiting for things at your job to get back to normal. Last year, my daughter had a teacher she adored, adored, who after six weeks went on a year-long maternity leave. And in rode Cruella DeVille. And so a long part of the year was just waiting for things to get back to the way they used to be. Can you relate to that today? Being in the same place you've always been, but things aren't like they used to be. They're not great anymore. And you'd really just like to get back to things. Christ calls us today, in the midst of our waiting, to stay alert, to be awake. Let us wait for things to get back to normal with eyes wide open. 
making space for all of it, for the abnormal, for the this isn't the way things used to be, holding it together in God's unfailing love. So there's waiting for things to get back to normal, and there's waiting to make sense of it all, making sense of the unexplainable in the Psalms today. The psalmist talks to God the same way Isaiah does. He says, wake up, come save us, restore us, make your face shine. So the words today were countenance. Did you guys see that big word countenance in the readings? That means basically, God, we want to experience your presence, your person, right? So for instance, you can, you can think about <laughs> You can think about Matt Tebby, but if Matt Tebby gets right here, you've got his countenance. That's, that's what this, this word countenance means. It means like face-to-face presence. Sorry about that. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. God, get off your duff and please help us. You see, the psalmist is suffering. There's some problem, there's some pain, there's some anguish going on, and it seems meaningless. There doesn't seem to be any reason for it. It's just meaningless suffering. Why is this happening? What's going on? I don't get this at all. The psalmist is suffering, and it makes no sense. Can you relate to that? Every week we pray for those among us who are chronically ill, right? Maybe neurologically, Right? We, pray, we try to pray away the depression and the anxiety and it doesn't leave. We've got some physical ailments. Yeah? Every week, I hear of another Christian leader who uses their power to prey upon the less powerful. This week, it was Mike Bickle who started and led the International House of Prayer. Make it make sense, God. Make it make sense. Can you relate to this? Personal suffering, relational, physical. Sometimes those of us who um, are empathic and sort of uh, have much more permeable sort of uh, emotions, uh, I have to stop reading the news, which feels like, well, it's nice you can do that. If I don't want to think about Israel and Palestine, I just stop reading the news. But there's some who can't. There's some who can't. Into this place of trying to make sense of suffering that is unexplainable, Christ calls us today to stay alert, to be awake. Let us wait then, this Advent, with eyes wide open, making space for all of it, the good, the bad, the unexplainable, the inexplicable, holding it all together in God's unfailing love. So waiting for things to get back to normal, waiting for it to make sense, and then waiting for all hell to break loose. That seems like a pretty bad thing to wait for, you know? I mean, waiting for something to put your toothbrush in isn't great. (laughs) But at least, 
It's better than waiting for all hell to break loose, but that's what we heard today. That's what we heard today in what Father Ben read for us. Most commentators believe that Mark was written right before the fall of Jerusalem, sometime between A.D. 66 and 70. And y'all, that, that war is bonkers. I'm, I'm shocked they haven't made a movie about this war because it has everything. The war has everything. Except for a giant portal in the sky where mythological superheroes come from back in time to vanquish people. That's kind of a new thing that happens in movies. But this movie has everything but that. And Mark's audience is most likely waiting to see what will happen on the cusp of Jerusalem falling. And Jesus says, keep watch. Stay awake. Be alert. Can you wait? Can you relate to this? Can you relate to forecasting doom and then working back from the doom and trying to live your life to avoid it? (laughs) Many of us have learned to live like this as a response to trauma. We time travel in our heads in various storylines and work back from what we don't want to happen to try to mitigate or manage that, to keep that from happening. Many of us read about what's happening in the Middle East and we fear World War III. Many of us look forward to the election of 2024 and already there's rattling of sabers and there's rhetoric that's violent. Legislators in Indiana are making it increasingly dangerous to be anything other than a straight white person. And so we think about the future, and it's all hell breaking loose. I don't know, you've probably noticed this because you probably eat like I do, but food costs are out of control. Out of control. It's at least 50% more to buy the same things than it was four years ago. And this sermon isn't about this, and I'm already at four or five minutes into this sermon already. <laughs> but it's not inflation's fault. Inflation is a choice. Do you, can we just let's pull behind the curtain? Companies that made record profits over COVID, blaming inflation for high prices, is a lie. So there's plenty of things in our world where we seem to be careening towards disaster. We haven't even mentioned ecological disaster and things like that. And Mark gives us a similar setting. Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives across from the temple. Jewish stories in that time promised a military deliverer would come to rescue Jerusalem from where? The Mount of Olives, conveniently enough. Jesus, though, doesn't speak about what most Jews expected. He speaks about their deepest fears. He says, that awful thing you were terrified of happening, guess what? It's going to happen. And Jesus explicitly says, you cannot know when, nor even look for Signs. No one knows. No one knows, he says. 
So obviously, Mark is writing to a group of people who are most likely trying to figure out, do I join in and defend Jerusalem? Is this what's going to bring back Jesus? Or what, what do I do here, right? And Jesus is like, don't mess with this stuff. It's bad, it's bad for your health. But the horizon of the fall of Jerusalem is a picturing of the end of all things as well. And so we can take a look at how this community dealt with the literal end of their world and telescope it out and take our place in that story and say, well, what do we do with the end of the world? When waiting for things to get back to normal, to make sense, or even bracing for impact, how are we supposed to respond? Well, Christ calls us to stay alert. And be awake. Why is that good news? <laughs> right? Sometimes when the going gets tough, we just want to check out. I don't want to be awake to this stuff. I don't want to think constantly about it's more dangerous to be me here. There's no resolution for this illness here. My job stinks and I can't find another one here. Well, beloved, this Advent, let me offer this way of being awake and alert. What if we were to look each other in the eyes? Not as close as I was to Father Ben. (laughs) But close enough to see. And what if we just affirmed reality? Yes, I see that you're still single. Yes, I see that your marriage is hard. Yes, I see that you want your friends to stop betraying you. Yes, I see that you've tried to have kids and can't. Yes, I see it's more dangerous to live in Indiana for you than elsewhere. And what if we just breathe? Just breathe. Yes, this is really happening. Yes, it's awful bad. Yes, I want with you for it to be different. And we just feel it. We look each other in the eyes. We affirm reality. We breathe. We feel it fully. We breathe. Then we eat a box of Oreos, binge watch Arrested Development for the 23rd time. (laughs) drink 74 ounces of wine, but then we come back. We come back. (laughs) And look in my eyes. Look. Just look. We affirm reality. We breathe. We feel it fully. We can't know the hour or day when it'll make sense or when things will get back to normal, if, even if they will, even if we want them to. We won't know when the final deliverance will come. So instead of trying to figure that out so we can have some kind of control or power instead of suffering faith, we look in each other's eyes. We affirm reality. We breathe. Yes, this is really happening. Yes, it's awful bad. Yes, I want it to be different. We feel it fully. We breathe and we dare to hope.
We don't bypass pain to hope. We get to hope through pain. You hear me? If there's no eye contact and breathing, there's no hope. We dare to hope that Christ is coming. That all will be made new. That a better normal. That our suffering will be redeemed. And that all heaven will break loose is in store for us. This Advent, may we stay awake to this hope together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.